All right, guys, today we get to talk to Carter Malloy about farmland investing, and Carter's got some background there as well as in the banking industry. Carter, thank you so much for coming on today. Kind of take us into it. Give us a little bit of idea of what farmland investing has been like for you, um, some of your experience there, and we'll, we'll, we'll take the audience into it. Great, great, uh, great to be here today and appreciate you as well. Uh, farmland investing is something that I've been passionate about, as strange as that sounds, uh, for a very long time. So I spent a dozen years of my career in equity investing, most recently a long, short equity hedge fund. I've been in the background uh, buying and selling farmland. And so I, I grew up in a farming family. It's been a uh, farming's been a passion of mine for most of my life. And similar to you with the world of commercial real estate, just something that is, is in my bones for, for better or worse. And so the basics of farmland investing is that you can own a farm and you can earn income from the rent coming off of that, as well as gaining exposure to potential appreciation in that farmland value. So that's what I was doing individually, but it's really hard. And so that was the genesis of Acre Trader in our business is to make that easy for folks. And so the Acre Trader is, is you believe it's, it's hard right now currently to trade farmland? I mean, obviously, like you hear reports of like Bill Gates and all these different people coming in and snatching up a lot of farmland. Like other than Acre Trader, like what ways are people typically trading up farmland? Yeah, if you've got a billion dollars, then you can hire a team to help you invest in farmland. Uh, yeah. If you don't, it's pretty hard, right? You got to go out to a county you've probably never been to, plop down a million dollars, and great, now you get to manage a farm. And so that, that's really what our business was created for, is to help folks get gain access to this asset class, right? So on one hand, we bring investment dollars to rural America, and we help farmers grow their operation. On the other hand, we help investors diversify their portfolios and gain access to farmland. So like people that want to buy farmland and they come to you, like what, what sort of requirements do they have to have in order to be able to get capital from you guys? So uh, for, for farmland investors, it's a basic accredited investor rule, which is a, a definition put out by the SEC. So, you know, a minimum of two or $300,000 of household income or a million dollars net worth or uh, an investment, a professional investment designation, right? So a number of different tests you can take there. Uh, so once, once you have those thresholds met, then investor can come on our website and rather than buying that million dollar farm, they can invest fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 at a time and get exposure to individual farms through our very easy to use technology. You cut out there for a second. Um, you said very easy to use and then you cut out. Uh, through, through our very easy to use technology. Cool. Awesome. So once they prove an accredited investor, then they have access, right? So what generally do the terms look like uh, on, on this money? So re returns over the last 30 or so years in farmland have been around 11%. Uh, so nothing like, oh my gosh, exciting, nothing you know, terribly bad. Uh, relative to commercial real estate, it's somewhat similar. What's, what's been very different is uh, those returns are calculated unlevered in the world of, of farmland real estate. So uh, that's without using a bunch of leverage. So uh, as, a, as, as a result of that, or one of, one of many things that drives this, farmland's returns have been consistent over time on a relative basis. So when you compare consistency of returns and uh, the, the actual value of those returns annually, right? The, the professional term there is sharp ratio, but general idea being your risk-adjusted returns. And historically, the risk-adjusted returns of farmland have been very attractive on a, on a relative basis again. 
Yeah. And I'm assuming, and this could be a wrong assumption, that the floor is much higher in land, right? I mean, like you have some things like, you know, crypto, which can go to zero, but farmland, I mean, farmland can only be so cheap, I'm assuming, right? Is that fair to say? <laughs> That's right. So the, uh, the, the very simple way to, to put that is like, you don't really hear of people get, it's not a get, get rich quick scheme, right? Like very rarely do you hear somebody go, man, I doubled my money in farmland last year. We also rarely hear somebody say, I lost it all in farmland. And yeah. there, there's some fairly simple drivers of that, right? Uh, the, the amount of farmland here, here in the U.S. as an example, and anywhere, it's finite. You can't make more of it uh, for, for all intents and purposes. And it's shrinking, right? So we lose something like two or three acres every minute in the United States. It's a lot of land uh, every single minute. And yet the demand for the, the products coming off of that land, the food, fuel, and fiber that we grow, that demand continues to grow with population and with consumption. Yeah, exactly. And both of those factors would be positive factors for the value of land going up. Um, yeah. yeah. So what, what do you see as being the future? I mean, like at some point, right? I mean, obviously probably not in our lifetimes, but like at some point land gets gobbled up, like the people who are buying land, thinking about land all the time, particularly farmland, like what are they saying about the future few generations from now or, or more? We, we've got a number of crises on our hands, right? One, one is we have the crisis of, of not enough farmers out there uh, to, to take care of the land uh, and, and to, to grow food for us. The other is just the, the incredible amount of demand and the, the implication being rising prices for food goods. Uh, so th those are crises, you know, near term is not a crisis. Longer term, it's really uh, worth consideration of global supply and demand of food as, as a broad statement. Uh, then certainly you have real volatility and variability in weather, and that seems to be increasing as, as well as the temperature, and those create their own real uh, problems as well. So there's there's a lot of consideration out there, and, and uh, both good and bad. But as we look at it uh, from, a, from an investment standpoint, also being exposed to uh, basic human necessities uh, may not be such a bad thing, right? We, we, we've all got to eat. Yeah. And so as the value of land goes up, that's really good for land investors. But in general, that probably signifies if it costs more to buy land and produce food on, then it would follow that the incomes would need to be greater and so on and so forth. It may, essentially, food prices are going to be what's going to take a hit, right? The final analysis, is that a fair line? Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a, has been a logical conclusion for a long time, right? The, the price of food is a, a core component of inflation, how they actually measure inflation. Uh, and and there's, there's been real structural drivers as to why food has gotten generally more expensive over long periods of time. And those drivers appear to continue to be in place. Yeah. Which is so crazy. I mean, cause it's a double, double whammy, right? It's, it's the less land to produce with and the more people that need. And so like, obviously one possible solution is we don't, we create more like, I don't know, synthetic food or whatever, which sounds like a really bad idea and probably will produce more forms of disease and cancer. But, um, like, do you, I mean, there probably isn't going to be a wave of people returning to farmland, right? I mean, like, probably once it goes one way, it doesn't go back. What do you think? Yeah, like, again, we, we as a population just need more land. We need it to live on. We're building you know, manufacturing facilities and industrial plants and data warehouses. Um, I'm sorry, uh, data centers. Uh, you know, there, there's just continuous development on, on farmland throughout the U.S. So it's certainly a, a material consideration and sure we'll, I think we will likely produce more food in labs. Again, this is longer term speaking 
interestingly, I saw something the other day where cell-grown meat uses more soybean uh, than than actually growing meat on a farm. Now, it's still far better for the environment uh, for a whole host of reasons, uh, uh, water use included. But but nonetheless, like we we tend to need the things we grow on farms, and, and it seems that we will likely continue to need those for for a long, long time. A long, long time, absolutely. So so going, turning back to the investment side of things, um, it seems like the same things that make it maybe a crisis for us as humans, at least maybe in this country, is maybe the reason why it's also better for investors, right? Um, in terms of the, the returns might continue to get better over time as the supply and demand continue to invert. That, that, that certainly is a case, right? There, there's a whole lot of considerations you want to take into of macro and micro variables in any investment. But as we, as we zoom out and look at the broad picture, uh, the, for the products that come off a farm, again, it seems like there's uh, less and less supply of, of arable land and, and more and more demand. Yeah. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So, okay. So let's say I'm an accredited investor. Newly, I just passed my test or I just hit my million dollar net worth or I just hit $300,000 of household income for the second year in a row and I'm ready and I, I, I farmland's my thing. Like what, what are the steps I need to do to start investing? Well, congratulations. Uh, and, and it also seems like you're very familiar with the AI rules out there. Uh, so, so the next thing to do as it is with any investment is you want to learn about it. And the fun thing about farmland and like, you know, maybe structured products or some pure finance products that are uh, Excel driven is this one's really fun to learn about. Learning about, how we grow food and produce food, fuel, and fiber on farms and the value chains and the various value drivers uh, is, is pretty interesting. We, we've all got, you know, uh, we hear all the time like, oh, well, my dad was a farmer, my grandfather was a farmer. Like if you go far, far back enough in anyone's family tree, we, we all were at some point. And, and so it's sort of like natural to us as humans to be interested in it. Uh, the our, our website provides a ton of information at acretrader.com, but there's also other, other uh, uh, third-party sources online as well available for, for doing basic research. We've also got a really great team here that you can call into anytime and speak with uh, to get the, the basics of education, understanding the products, understanding our specific products and what we may have uh, in terms of investment offerings available on our website at any given time. But for you, the investor, first, you want to learn. And then using our system is very easy, right? It's a matter of, of clicks and, and coming and signing up, creating a free account and 
uh, you know, make, making your clicks through, uh, linking up so you can make your investments. Yeah. So like on your site, like what type of investments are people making? Like, are they providing you with money and getting a return? Or are they getting money from you to buy land? So uh, we, we are a two-sided marketplace. So we work with farmers that want to grow their operation. Uh, so they'll go out and often find land that they want to buy or have us help them buy or like an equity finance tool for that farmer to grow their business. So we'll work with them and, and go purchase land. The investors then can come in and, and actually own that land. So very simply, let's say there's a, a $5 million parcel in Illinois that goes into a unique LLC. Then the investors can come in and buy individual parts, uh, you know, whether it's $20,000 or $2 million uh, of that individual LLC to come build exposure and build a portfolio on our website. Got it. And is that like, a, is there a minimum investment or? It's usually 15 to 20 or $25,000. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually, I mean, when you look at a lot of the credit investments out there, 15 and 20 is pretty accessible. I know a lot of minimums that I see are 50, 100, 200,000 or more, sometimes a quarter million. Um, some with a million, like I'm always like surprised when I see those. I'm like, man, like the first time you're trusting somebody, you're trusting with a million dollars. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big ask. So very cool. So like on these deals, like obviously it's going to depend on size and so many things, but like generally, like how many people do you see going in on these deals? Like, cause you talk about LLC structure, like, how much does a person know, like, okay, I invested 20 grand. Here's how many other investors are in this project. Do they get to connect and talk to the other investors that are in that deal? It, it can be tens to hundreds of investors on a, on a per project basis. We usually do a project a week or so, sometimes two. Uh, so, and then you, you're certainly free to speak to other investors. We don't expose investors information for obvious privacy rules. We, we do have like meetups and conferences sometimes where we can get investors together. Uh, we, we really like it when they do speak. We just uh, respecting folks' privacy is always number one. Yeah. I'm in a group um, called GoBundance. And in that group, there's a lot of people that are investing in all of these different syndications and funds and so on and so forth. And one of the kind of recurring themes now that the market is starting to shift in a lot of these different asset classes and people are starting to lose some money is like, hey, we want to know who the other investors in this deal are so we could talk. And I totally understand from a fund pr perspective why you can't just give everybody's contact information, but it's interesting. People are starting to clamor for more transparency and connection. Um, yeah. I think conferences could be a really good way of doing that or, or volunteer ways of getting people into. Totally. We, we, we encourage the conversation. We, we like when people talk about us because we're, we're proud of our business. We're proud of people yeah. we work with. We're proud of the work we do with farmers and uh, we're proud of the investment opportunities that we, we put up. Yeah. Well, and, and because you're, you know, and guys, if you're out there listening, obviously do your own due diligence and, you know, we're not encouraging necessarily investment here, but we're just having a conversation. But like, because you're investing in an asset class, it's so much more, like it's not high volatile, like a lot of these other asset classes. It's, you know, it probably can be a decent option for a lot of people that just kind of want to get their, their toes wet and they don't have to spend a hundred grand to get in. They can spend 15, 20 grand. So we, we like being simple, right? This is like, we're, we're talking about, we're literally talking about dirt here. Uh, we're not out fixing toilets or running hot leverage or, uh, you know, generally speaking, not, uh, not having the, a lot of the material issues that can plague in, in any particular uh, CRE investment. And again, that's not a, it's not a negative towards CRE. This is just a very different asset class and a simple one that we, we sure love. Now, this one's obviously land. I mean, like when you buy properties that also have buildings on it, is there like cost segregation that happens or is it generally just straight land? I mean, when the investors invest, 
obviously they they get the returns, but are they open to any you know bonus depreciation or cost segregation when they invest in things that have buildings on them? There can be. Uh, we're not generally buying things with real commercial buildings on them. Sometimes there may be a, a, a rental farmhouse. Sometimes maybe grain bins where you're renting out uh, storage capacity on those grain bins. So there, there are a number of places where investors could capture depreciation on a deal by deal basis. Beyond that, we usually do make value add improvements to a farm. A uh, great way to begin a relationship with a farmer too is come in and say, hey, we're going to put drainage tiles on this farm in the Midwest or improve the land leveling and uh, well situation on a farm in the Delta. On the West Coast, you know, come in and put in irrigation systems, maybe plant new trees. Uh, so we, we do like going in and making real improvements and often those can qualify for some uh, depreciation as well. And because of your love of farmland, I mean, the goal here, right, is to not bring investor capital to tear this all down and to build homes or, or commercial buildings, right? The goal is to continue to provide enough capital in the space to preserve the farmland that exists. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely so. We're, we are... Uh, we obviously like farmland. I think I've made that clear today, but we, we, uh, we're, we're big believers uh, in working alongside farmers as well. We're a farmer first organization. They, they again, are our, our most important partners here. And so uh, going out and finding great investments alongside them to, to work with them and to build upon, we, we built, then build in sustainability standards, all, all the fun basics that we should be doing anyway to make sure that we're adhering to soil sustainability uh, and, and making sure we're taking care of that local ecosystem uh, all, all these things are very important to us. So talking about you personally, I mean, obviously you're, you're entrenched in this. I could tell you like you're, you're very analytical, at least it appears like you can calculate things. It seems like very, very quickly. Uh, what's life like for you personally, um, you know, outside of the farmland business? I got two little girls at home. Uh, they're six and seven. So that is the most fun thing that I can do personally. Uh, when they go to bed, off the, well, actually when they're awake, I, I try to play music every day. So play a number of oh. instruments and that's a ton yeah. of fun. And when they go to bed, I, I read. Uh, that's that's about it. I'm, I'm a pretty boring person. I got, you know, uh, a, a lot of hobbies to eat my time, but uh, playing with kids is the, the one that's the most fun. Yeah. Well, and I, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't say that anybody has two little girls has a boring life. Um, <laughs> great fun. And, and as far as instruments go, like which ones do you like to play? Guitar is primary, so I, I uh, play uh, jazz guitar a good bit, and then um, I like to play the piano. I'm trying to learn a little more there, and then uh, drums are the things that, that I'm like probably most obsessed with. It's most it's the most fun just to bang on something, right? <laughs> and I, I love music production, so I like the, the software aspect as well, and uh, building sounds, things like that. Ah, oh, incredible! What is your vision for your life and business next twelve to eighteen months? to continue building upon the great foundation we have here, right? Build, building upon our relationships with farmers. Uh, conti- if we continue to create uh, or continue to push really hard to create win-win outcomes for farmers and investors, I think we can build a really big business. And then, you know, like personally, it's to continue to grow and learn. And the way I do that is through the people I work with. And I work with incredible, incredible people every day. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Carter, thank you so for coming on so much and uh, for sharing about your life and your business, um, especially about this type of thing. This is not something we have on the show very often, so I'm really excited to have it on, especially in light that some of these commercial investments are getting a little dicey uh, for a lot of people. So having maybe something that's a little bit less uh, volatile could be really valuable. But guys, you're out there. Maybe you took away something completely different from this conversation. Write down something you learned, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too 
We'll be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 